Welcome back to the Vulture Club. On this week's show, in Come Again, we identify the latest low-grade issue to spark outrage. Last week it was banana bread, this week the holiday homeowners are getting it. Meanwhile, on Today I Learned, Jen dives into a morbid meme. And later in the show, theatre maker and activist Leon Bell tells us what it's like to be an artist in Covid times. And just what the government's 1 million euro cash injection to the arts actually amounts to. Later in the show, we discuss the hunt, the horror satire that pissed Trump right off when it was announced last summer. Despite repeated delays, the hunt has finally had its global release online. Jen and I watched to find out what all the fuss is about. And finally, we have Bed in or Bennett for all your culture recommendations, although this week's are far left of centre. I have a come again. I'm here for your come again. Okay. So, I've identified what this week's banana bread is. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, last week we saw an overwhelming tsunami of hatred pouring (laughs) towards banana bread from all corners on the internet. And I've identified that this week's banana bread is holiday homeowners. Oh, sorry. I was expecting a walnut. Um, <laughs> holiday home, absolutely fucking rage. Now, do you know what? I was The first thing that comes to my mind when I think about holiday home owners are people with a caravan somewhere. So I'm not, like, that's great. And But is that a marker of the upper class? It probably fucking is these days. Everyone's absolutely it smashed. It is now. <laughs> In 2020, it absolutely is. What I wouldn't give for a holiday camper va- uh, caravan. Yeah. I mean, in Court McSherry, Court McSherry even. Do you want to be targeting <laughs> That's Ross where we Lair used to go Strand. when I was a kid. I think that's a good spot. Or um, what's the British Bay's caravan? Yeah, I remember, didn't we have a friend? We both had a friend, so he will remain nameless. He will. And, uh, was he... it Andrew Fennell? No. <laughs> I no. can't remember this friend. And he had a caravan and used to spend his summers down in British and then used to come home and join up with us in school every year and then tell us about his fucking amazing, amazing summers. And I remember thinking, uh, that this, sounds... It, there was also, so much shifting That's what that I was gonna caravan say. site. I was so jealous. I mean, friggin' for days. But the problem, <laughs> when I think back now, is it probably was all spoofery, you know? I like mean, the, you know, like the way yes. we all of us had a boyfriend or girlfriend in a different school. Oh yeah, the, the mysterious or someone they met in Wexford. Listen. Like Wexford people were absolute Loose. slappers. Loose. Loose. And the thing that's sad about this new generation of uh, virgins, fake virg- fake non-virgins, is there's just no scope for spoofing unless you team up with a person or go to the catfish lengths of creating a fake boyfriend slash girlfriend, creating a Facebook and Instagram profile and LinkedIn for (laughs) them. And TikTok. And TikTok. And, you know. And OnlyFans. I mean, actually, the admin these days of creating a fake person online. Nah. Just be frigid. What's frigid? Frigid and be proud. Ah, frigid. Look how far the frigid among us go. 
I mean, me and you have a podcast. <laughs> Several. So I'll tell you who alerted me to the fact that uh, holiday homes are this week's banana bread. At Alan underscore Maguire on Twitter. He's a gem. If you don't follow Alan on Twitter, get right over to him. Uh, he just Very wants the funny. best for Jennifer Aniston. Um, so he tweeted a few days ago, can't believe so many people own holiday homes that it's a public health risk. Do any of you own holiday homes? You have to tell me. So 54 people got on. I think basically about 52 out of the 54 were like me and said, Alan, it is my life's ambition to own a holiday home. Everyone else just really wants to own any home. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm not in the yeah. market for a secondary kind of place to clean if I'm fucking honest. Well, I already have a holiday home pretty much and it's called my car. Uh, and it's I leave my home to take a holiday in my car where my children and family members are not. Having holidayed with you in your holiday home, can yes. I advise a Hoover? <laughs> I know. Uh, there's just so much the shit I find in the back of my holiday home, bowls of toast, nappies, use nappies. So much old mcdonald's detritus a half sucked lollipop with what just which is doubled in size from the stuff that stuck to it and probably just one of my kids floating around back there that i didn't even realize stowed away with me on my holiday in my holiday home as sticky as a half sucked lollipop anyway thank you for alerting us to uh, the holiday homeowners alan mcguire uh, as he says he is a socialist in the socialist in the tweets buying things to cheer myself up in the streets he's like i enjoy your twitter presence alan he's also co-host of juvenalia which is a great podcast to pass the time in lockdown with alan reminds me of a non-half dead bernie sanders (laughs) what a compliment like in in a good way you know i mean that in a positive he actually, now that we're on a Alan, he is the Bernie, Alan binge. He's so right. He's the Bernie Sanders of Irish Twitter. The, what you need to get involved with is, and he needs to put a bit more time into his natural gasness on Instagram stories. Have you I watched know. any of his stories? I love his stories. He needs to focus more on that. Yeah, we want more audio visual, Alan. Anyway, <laughs> enough about him. <laughs> More about the holiday home owners. So basically, yeah, like they're putting in millions of guarded checkpoints to make sure that nobody goes near their um, second calf that we Rightly didn't even so. know they had. The and, fucking um, notions of them. I mean, the actual culture ambassador of the land, um, fave curmudgeon Christy Moore, even said it on Ryan Tuberty on Friday morning. Um, just please, just... Get the book out of your our, our lovely rural area. On a serious note, it is an yeah. issue with the doctors. You know, obviously doctors and there's a specific amount of support for specific populations in areas of the country. And that's why. That's you, it. Yeah, there's a high concentration for Dublin for mm. a reason. And there is less elsewhere. It's totally true. Now, having said that, there's a few people um, I know who... Just through, um, I suppose, perhaps they were better people than I was in a previous life, got stranded. So they were in their holiday home before the lockdown was announced. And God damn it, I'm so jealous. Well, I don't know, like three weeks in a caravan in questionable weather is, I'm, it depends who you're with. <laughs> 
let's put it that mm, way. It's close fair. quarters. Very true. But anyway, like what it's what is just indicating is that everyone has a lot of like kind of surplus rage and we're ready to be mad at anything and everyone needs to be very careful, I think. Yeah, I agree. Like I feel like it's it's around this time that I might like break my Twitter retirement, pop on there innocently, stupidly one day and say something like, um, oh, my south facing yarden is too small <laughs> and I'll be cancelled, deservedly so, because God knows we're ready to murder someone, <laughs> I think, right now. Right Don't about now, sacrifice for that yourself. level of pandemic. Stay quiet. So that's my come again this week. <laughs> So, Sophie, today I learned. Do tell. Have you or have you not received a fucking gas amount of video memes where somebody may or may not have died and then it cuts to (laughs) hilarious pallbearers doing a gas jig carrying a coffin? Okay, so I think I may have gotten the best first time experience of this meme, courtesy of you, because you sent me about 11 of them in a row. In the WhatsApp, I opened them, we watched them on a big screen, all in one go, um, and I absolutely adored them. But somehow, I have managed to avoid ever encountering this meme in the wild. And uh, it's absolutely brilliant. It's Ghanaian pallbearers dancing with a casket set to the EDM song Astronomia by Tony Iggy. And I actually think we should insert some of the music because it's absolutely So where did you first come across it? Well, I mean, no, they've just been floating around for a little while now. And I, in my mind, was like, that's gas. That must be some tradition somewhere. And uh, that's just how they do the funerals. And it's not that dissimilar to a good hooli at an old wake here in Ireland, except it's a bit more maybe, you know, rehearsed beforehand. So I was looking into it then and didn't I then realise it isn't tradition at all? Absolutely it's not. <laughs> a genius, um, what do you call those funeral people? Probably a funeral Paul director. Paul Bearer. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, the funeral directors, who, yeah. Who owns a little business and said, how can I jazz this up? I can make a little offering of, would you like to sort of add this dance element to your dead person's funeral? Thing? Yes. And then people have been fucking lapping it up. Because, you know, some people, you know, some gas people die and then you have this funeral for them and it sort of doesn't match up with the personality that they had during their living stage and then during the dead stage. Now, you can match it up to the gasness. <laughs> That's the tagline. He can pay me for it. It's rambling, uh, you know, but isn't that kind of what we're talking about here? Genius on his part to spot mm. that gap in the funeral market mm-hmm. of like whimsy and like pure hilarity. Um, but what he's been doing is because it's difficult to find people who can dance as well as he needs them to dance. So he's been holding sort of, aud- well, he had been pre the Corona days holding auditions. 
So if you'd like to be one of these dancing pallbearers, you, you have to kind of do a little video of yourself and uh, audition. So he's, that's, that's kind of an added bit of admin. I'm sure that's annoying from his perspective, but worth it because you need a quality level of dancer. <laughs> I'm glad that he is vetting them um, so uh, rigorously because like carrying a funeral, uh, sorry, carrying a coffin full stop, I would imagine tricky. Now, Seb was all like, nah, nah, be grand, be grand. I'd be able to do that. Um, but like, you have to be so coordinated. And like, there's one brilliant bit, like in one of the memes where, um, so it's six pallbearers in a coffin and um, they've got the coffin balanced on their knees and they're like kind of beating out a, you know, big rhythm, rhythm on the top of the coffin. And it is like tricky, Did you I see would the, say. The, the, and like, they'd be very liable to have a terrible spill. Do you know what? Did you see no the handkerchief one, Soph? Yes. I thought that was gas. Do you know what it reminded me? You know that Scottish or is it the Welsh dance where they have bells attached to themselves and also carry two handkerchiefs, one in either hand, and they mm. do this sort of stomping. It's sort of, you know. Hacker-esque as well. Kind yeah, of. it's kind of extremely camp. It's extremely brilliant, and I really want, I think we should try and set up an Irish equivalent when we're all kind of touching each other again. I want that. I want that very much. And also... I'm going to be cremated. So actually, I think what I want people to do with me is put me into a securely fastened urn mm -hmm. and play keepy uppy with me. That's what I want the pallbearers to do. I should, want I, should I Six people you? playing keepy uppy as they advance down the aisle of St. Jerome's. Please. I'll, I'll ensure that. Should You're I, in charge of that now. Um, uh, can I say, some of the ones that I've seen it attacked on to the end of. So it, as you said, it's like people doing some kind of like basically Darwin Awards worthy stunts um, and then it cuts right before like the tragedy hits them uh, straight to the <laughs> to the dancing pallbearers so like you've got the guy in the swing trying to go doing a full 360 up and over on a normal swing like a swing set and right as he flies off at the end cuts to the pallbearers or you've got um that uh that free runner shot so it's like a head cam of a free runner running you know up buildings as they do and like right as he misses his next jump cuts to the ball bearers <laughs> or they've obviously got some more timely ones now where they've got like a video of um, Boris Johnson saying that he shook hands with COVID-19 patients in a hospital <laughs> cuts to the ball bear it's so feckin Speaking of religion, have you, I may be the only person alive still using this function, but I am still on Facebook. And when you click into a video on Facebook, I know you may not be aware of this, Sophie, as a non-Facebook user, you get sort of served up a video below. And it used to make sense. You used to watch something food related and you'd get a food related video then next. Now it's just mass. Um, so I have <laughs> accidentally been to mass, I'd say about 400 times this week so far. No way. And uh, it's madness. Well, I think it's mostly, sometimes it's funerals and other times it's straight up mass, a daily service. And it's various types. Maybe, I don't know where it's pulling this um, from. Maybe it's my current location and it could be the masses around me that it's uh, infiltrating me. But whatever um, Jesus slash God's obviously pumping a load of, money into advertising via Facebook <laughs> the Catholic, in a classic the Catholic, Catholic Facebook ads bill. Yeah, it's oh, unbelievable. I love it. So, uh, That's mad. I hadn't even, it's so funny, all the different things that don't occur to you when you are not, you just don't partake. But like, 
what are the mass people doing? They're watching them on Facebook Live. They are, they are, they are. You see how everything kind of has, you know, the age, which are the oldies would be kind of, you know, a bit slower on the uptake, much like us compared to younger people. So yeah. they are just entering Facebook now. And the church is getting involved and they're doing all their masses. And, you know, whatever, good for them. Uh, sad because the collection um, isn't happening. You know, the old Russell. Oh. The Russell. Um, R.I.P. the collection baskets. Mm, which I Knowing them, the church will get on Revolut so fucking fast. It's a fucking no-brainer, lads. Oh, yeah. We I need mean, Apple they Pay. Can, they can spot a racket at 20 paces, those lads. So that's the Today We Learned section for you. Fair play to us. Very, very excited to talk about this. I know. Um, the Hunt basically is, uh, against all the odds, finally available to watch. <laughs> Do you know a bit about this backstory of how The Hunt has been repeatedly um, pushed, back. pushed back and it's cursed? Well, I was suspicious of the story behind, you know, it felt a bit kind of like, like there was a touch of spoofery about the whole drama with the release date. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon? Well, the initial release date was um, in last September and it was pushed back because there was tragic mass shootings. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> so I don't know if it's quite spoofy. Oh, okay. Um, no, but you're not wrong because they did kind of uh, very sort of cynically turn the constant uh, pushing back um, kind of to their own marketing advantage oh, <laughs> and ignored obviously. the real reason they had done that. So they had, um, yeah, they'd scheduled for last September um, and then they realized it would just be in hideously bad taste because there was um, two significant shootings in um the month preceding in the States. So then they released it um, uh, early, well, middle of March there. And they had ch changed the whole tagline of the movie um, s to the most talked about movie of the year that no one's actually seen. <laughs> Very good. That is good. <laughs> Decide for yourself. And then they had like September 27th crossed out and replaced by March 13th. And of course, they're referring as well to the fact that Donald Trump tweeted about this movie. Uh, at the end of last summer when he heard about it. Did you know this? No. Now, he didn't name it. Um, he tweeted... So, the let's do a quick rundown of the plot of The Hunt. And it's a horror movie. And it um, comes from the same um, producers of Get Out and Ma. Um, and so, it's kind of like that sort of like new breed of kind of smart horror that's going on at the Would moment. you say... And kind so, of politically... Well, attempting to be politically engaged horror. Go on, sorry. I would have called that. it a satire. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like we wants to be... Well, yeah, it's Funny. kind of a satire horror, kind of Parasite-esque, kind of get yeah. out, kind of us. But I don't think it's as smart as us, for example. Do you know what I mean? No. What do you think? So, like, the kind of plot, basically, is that um, there is... Um, a kind of group of like they're in a world of kind of liberal elites um, who have kind of invented a game of like hunting um, what that's what's called deplorables, which is a reference to a, a Hillary Clinton um, 
tweet or is it a Hillary Clinton comment that was back mm. in 2016 during the um, presidential campaign where she basically referenced Trump supporters and called them deplorables. And the kind of gag of the hunt is that like the liberal elites are um, armed. armed and as extremist as anyone on the other side. Um, and they are um, hunting a group of uh, a dozen deplorables who've been selected uh, for their them to play this kind of game in a sort of in a in a in a manor house out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it turns out to be Russia. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, in real life, it's it, Russia. I thought it was Arkansas. Oh, sorry. You're right. Yes, no, you're right. Yeah. Never mind. So they are. Um, so the, uh, the deplorables basically are kind of kidnapped from their lives. And these kind of rich elites, liberal elites, are um, uh, have arranged for them to be kind of dropped in the woods. They all wake up with this kind of mad gag around their heads. And um, they find a box full of weaponry and they start being hunted by initially a kind of an unseen enemy. And then you realize it's all these like really woke um <laughs> woke Americans so and like it's it is funny I think it's funny as hell I actually really enjoyed it <laughs> like mm. it's um it's just not as like clever I think as it thinks it is like well uh, the reviews are mad like Rotten Tomatoes it's got like a 50 something no very low and I think it's it's the political kind of element that's pissed people I've pissed some of the Americans off hence mm. the kind of voting that it's that it's not a good film but yeah. I agree with you thoroughly enjoyable kind of a good gore romp oh yeah but the lead female she is wow whopper her name's Betty Gilpin do you know her from Glow I do she's brilliant in Glow mm-hmm. she is thoroughly wonderfully weird isn't she she's just the best crack to you're just I am partial to a strong female lead and oh, hell fuck yeah. me, she is one. Uh, she's amazing. But Emma Roberts as well was there for a, for a few oh. minutes. Oh, <laughs> spoilers. There I, enjoy spoilers. Emma, I enjoy Emma Roberts. I enjoyed how they took their time telling us who our person was in this film to root mm. for. Because you keep becoming emotionally attached to people and they keep dying on you. In the most magnificent <laughs> ways. Uh, oh, Jenna, what's that? Your man is always sunny in Philadelphia. Loved him. I was so ready to be with him for the whole movie. And then they took him away. I just thought it was great crack. He's the even, whole thing. But everyone's bit is still brilliant. Even though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's kind of like there's lots of very kind of like snide inny gags about how... Um, kind of careful and woke the liberals are like there's a couple um of the liberal elites discussing um they're having an argument about whether you can call black people black people or people of color and one of them is like i heard it on npr and you know it is really funny and so they they definitely i think they kind of set uh i kind of think the liberal elites are the kind of fall guys Mm. and they but they kind of i feel like they never quite make their minds up so they kind of make fun of the liberal elites and they make fun of the kind of quote unquote rednecks, the deplorables. Like, you know, the guy, the one of the deplorables who's like, I have a podcast. I know all about this experience, conspiracy. And like, you know, it is funny. But I think they kind of never really make their minds up about who they are actually 
Sure. They never nail their colours to the They don't. They don't. And I think that's kind of where it fails, sort of, as a political satire, kind of. Yeah, I guess. Just that they never made their minds up. Like, I I mean, look, there's going to be spoilers here, so let's just get over it. Like, for example, at the end, when um, there's a whole kind of riff on whether or not um, our lead character, Betty Gilpin, um, is the deplorable they think she was or whether mm-hmm. she actually wasn't do you know um do you remember now, that bit spoiler to me oh sorry because spoiler, i have yet sorry. to fucking finish it i am no, sorry basically carry on in the final kind of fight which is brilliant there's a final fight sequence between betty gilpen and hillary swank and it's gas and it's vicious and inventive and funny hillary swank Back oh from my God! She she gave this girl a yanking. Hillary B. Swankin. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. They have this final bit of like, was Crystal wrongly selected as a deplorable? Deplorable, and was she in fact actually, you know, one of the good guys? Seems to be kind of the inference, and mm-hmm. I felt that was like really lazy Annoying. like it kind mm. of like it kind of revealed okay you know do you think they just lost their bottle yeah maybe they they just couldn't give it They're to a like, trump supporter oh. <laughs> well yeah i don't know like they like i guess they were worried about the, the film if they did nail their colors to the mast in terms of which side that you know they were on or the director yeah. was on that it would sort of kill the alienate film. the other half of the audience yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think I think kind of broadly the elite um the liberal elites like come off as the bigger wankers. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know whether that's um like serving much of a purpose really either. Like yeah, mm. you're making fun of the snowflakes. <laughs> yeah. There there is a good bit where like this this is going to sound so vicious, but this is the movie, lads. There's this woman lying in a pit and she's impaled on the spike and half of her torso has been... Um, do you remember this bit right at the beginning? And she goes to one of the other deplorables. Um, shoot me, just shoot me, please. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, stop being such a fucking snowflake about it. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, when it was announced, uh, Donald Trump tweeted saying, the movie, co- the movie coming out is made in order to inflame and cause chaos. They, uh, they create their own violence, he said, and then try to blame others. Um, but he basically was saying like the hunt was just kind of like trying to drum up a bit of a right wing, left wing kind of, um, you know, mm. uh, pissing contest. And I'd say he's not wrong, to be honest. <laughs> I don't I know. Say he's seen the film. I don't know if I've ever agreed with him ever, but maybe he might have been right about this one. But I really enjoyed it. Like, if you park whether or not it's actually making much of a compelling political statement and just watch it for the sheer watchability and crackability of it, it's great crack. What do you think? I totally agree. Would watch, would recommend. Now, you're going to have to pay for it. And that ain't bad. But it's a lot for a film rental, seventeen ninety nine. I know, yeah, but that's because this is now this new wave of like them not delaying Sorry. the theatrical releases of things and instead going a direct kind of, you're, you're basically going to the cinema at home with these movies. I think it's too much money. Yeah. 
Because it's more than you'd pay in the fucking cinema for a ticket. But I guess you're getting a family ticket is their kind of rationale. And like you, it, you have to BYO popcorn. Yeah. So you're not getting all that bullshit markup on the poppy corn. Maybe just treat yourselves. Um, speaking of treat yourselves, um, I, I basically dropped 20 quid on the new Troll Doll movie Not, as well. Why did you do that? Because I, I believe you were influenced to do that. for my kids to just... To shut the fuck up for two and a half hours. Just back off. Like, it's not even yeah. shut up, because no kid will ever shut up. But just back yeah. off. Just leave me be for a minute. So I just, I did it. I caved. Did but also, work? I think it's kind of an interesting thing to do, because I think we kind of, if we want to keep enjoying all of this stuff, mm-hmm. we have to, we've got to support it and pay. And I know they're, they're hardly, you know, starving artists in Hollywood, but like, you know, these movies these high production tv shows that we all love you know the money I accept what you're saying somewhere I accept it but I think we could look at the price I genuinely felt that I had 17 euros worth of fun watching that okay which is a lot of fun yeah that's like a three two and a bit drink depends where you're drinking witherspoons you get four or five drinks for that um (laughs) I would, anyway, I would have spent would, that on snacks alone if I was in the cinema. That's so. true. That's true. But you would have been able to leave your children outside the door, tethered <laughs> to a pulp. Seb really resented it. Um, I tried initially to pretend that we ju- that I had just found an excellent free stream. And then he was like, wait a minute. We paid for this. And I was like, yes, we did. Smug. Smug mode. But um, pay for your content. Whoop, so that's whoop. a good. Are you going to use your troll movie? Did you call it troll, by the way? Yeah. I, what is the correct pronunciation here? I don't know. I switch between the two all the time. Well, hang on a second. Troll doll. Are you telling me that that's a troll doll? Well, that makes more sense, doesn't it? Troll doll. Actually, now that I've said it, it around, it does. <laughs> See? That's I had this everything. exact same row with my mother this morning. Because she What's has been take? a long time troll sayer. Right, the troll under the bridge, like, that doesn't sound right. You see, I think Troll Doll, is it a brand name? And they're changing the pronunciation for the brand. But then my fave is that my mum calls trolls on Twitter, trolls. Um, yeah, no, my mum would be like, those trolls on Twitter being very mean. And um, yeah, so it's really funny listening to her call trolls on Twitter, trolls. Because it definitely takes the wind out of those troll sails. So with the week just passed, um, our Minister for Culture, Josefa Madigan, announced a one million fund for artists to make work, um, which would then be available free on Facebook and online. And while one million may sound like a really nice art stimulation cash injection, um, it really actually boils down to about three grand per 334 artists working across all art disciplines. We asked Leon Bell, arts uh, creative and uh, lighting designer, uh, also the founder of Waking the Feminist Movement, to chat to us about what it's really like working in the art sector at the moment and what this arts package means for the working artist. Um, I suppose when I saw that uh, the stimulus package announced this week, I was so interested in how uh, people who are practicing artists and working in that sector were feeling about um, everything uh, since all this has begun. Um, so 
Do you want to, um, I mean, you do so much, Leanne. It's actually kind of hard to boil down everything that our <laughs> guest does. But do you want to give us a little rundown of, um, of what your kind of practice is like? Sure. Um, well, I've worked mostly in theatre, but in the arts in general for over 20 years, mm. since I was about 16, 17, really. Um, and at the moment, the, I tend to design sets for, for dance or theatre maybe two or three times a year. Mm. And then the rest of the time, I, um, I manage different kinds of art projects, usually one-off projects, sometimes for festivals um all kinds of different things and then also I have a, a small practice on the side just as an independent artist mm. as well and uh, and of course your work with Waking the Feminists made you a, a global name Meryl Streep knows your name <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I never thought about it that way I know. she does wow <laughs> <laughs> um you're being very modest as well like if I were you I'd be throwing in all the millions of awards I've won as well I'll do it for you Leon is multi-award winning and in your, you know, obviously, you know, you're really long in this game. And I think you are really well placed to kind of tell us a bit about like, I suppose, like, has work, for example, been cancelled for you as a result of COVID? And um, what did you have yeah. on the kind of what did you have on the slate? And where are you at now? Yeah, I um uh, I suppose like everybody, there was, there was kind of immediate impact where there were uh, gigs that were coming up in the immediate future, like in the, fo- in the, in the month after um, the start of COVID in Europe, mm. um, that just had to be cancelled, like just events that couldn't go ahead. Mm. Some events people are trying to push forward, trying to see if we can do things later in the year. Yeah. Um, I run as sort of last maybe five or six years I run a couple of different artist support programs um, one is about supporting independent freelance theatre artists um, to take kind of working days paid working days in a venue close to them to do whatever work they need to do mm. uh, just because so many theatre artists are totally overwhelmed with, with in normal times we're wor- working on three or four or five projects at once and it's hard to find a bit of creative time Yeah. Um, but that project while it's going ahead is now pushed right to the end of the year I think or at least to you know late in the year that's um, not your project where um you get a kind of a day to sort of dream yeah, yeah it is I remember exactly. reading about that days. and loving yeah. the idea yeah tell us a tiny bit about that would you mind just uh, yeah well it, it was interesting seeing because because I'm working on it at the moment it means that I was talking to a lot of independent artists so it was really at the time that all the restrictions were starting to come in I was you know in chats with them so it was really clear to me very quickly how how fast people's uh, support systems were just falling away yeah. so gap days is basically i work with mermaid art center out in bray yeah. and years ago they asked me to invent an artist support program and at the time i was working you know five things at once i think i was still working in a bar and i just thought like oh, all i want is a day where I don't have to feel guilty for sitting down and reading through the stuff that's on my desk or, you know, going back through my old notebooks and reimagining or remembering what are the things that kind of made me inspired, you know, back then. Um, But the guilt that comes with that is, you know, taking a day off, in inverted commas, uh, to be creative, which is absolute crap because, you know, we're artists. This is what we're supposed to be doing or this is what we want to be doing. Absolutely, Um, yeah. Like when I'm... Oh, sorry. Go on. No, go on. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, when I'm working on plot, for example, for books and things, I'd often feel, because it's not a day of literally putting words 
into um you know into order and kind of amassing a word count I'd often do a lot of my plot working out while I'm running, for example, because in my mind then I'm like maximizing that time by doing my workout and getting my work dreaming, imagining done. And it's kind of like, as you said, it's completely um, like a misnomer because, you know, totally. Totally. Dreaming is work. Like it's really important. Exactly. Dreaming, like sitting and staring at a window for a while or going for a walk and thinking. we don't let ourselves do that enough I think as artists because we feel we've all fallen into the productivity sort of mindset that you have to be doing something that's useful and practical absolutely and, that, like, and yes, immediately having exactly a product that thing to of, show like, for it yeah exactly and that thing of saying oh well I'll do the creative thinking but I'll do it while I'm doing something else and you're like nah that's not that's just not going to work it's yeah. really not going to work so gap days was a, ch- a kind of a, a way of us trying to give somebody basically we give them 200 quid for their day they get one or two days and it means that they can stop doing all the other stuff that's taking over their time maybe they can pay for childcare if they've got kids that they normally mind Mm. and we also set them up wherever they are in the country we introduce them to a local art center if they don't know it already and we give them the art center gives them a room for free and organizes a lunch for them so they don't even have to think about lunch amazing and then they just go into their room and do whatever it is and some people you know do yoga draw a little bit read some books have some phone calls maybe I ask them in general to turn off their laptop um but obviously if they need to they need to that's fine Mm. um and it's amazing like it's such a tiny 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 little thing like it's one day or two days but there's a huge validation I think for artists to be told um your work is worth supporting and your work is worth supporting financially and I believe in you and this other venue believes in you and now you get to do whatever it is that nourishes you Mm. and like it's just the response you get from people is so huge compared to what the thing is like what the offer is yeah so we were in the middle of we had um we'd actually just chosen the participants this year I think there's 36 participants this year Mm. um just as everything was starting to like there was that moment of like oh how big is this I don't know is this going on for like a week or 10 days or two weeks or a month or I don't know like we're still in the middle of that but at the very start when it was so like uh, I can't tell what it is yeah we'd started trying to house people in different venues and make connections and then realized very quickly that that wasn't um possible and we don't know yet really when it might be May it might be June that we'll be able to do it it might be later in the year yeah fingers crossed but because I was talking to all these artists so many of them were just straight away going you know I'm I can't do these days I can't do these days and as the days went on they were like actually I can do any days because all my work is being cancelled yeah you know I'm now free in all of April because I've got no everything's fallen away and it was really immediately clear that it was just like the rug being pulled out from so many people yeah um, so one of the things we did, thankfully Mermaid Art Centre was able to do this, but we basically just said to everybody, look, you're not going to be able to take your day officially until later in the year, but the money is there. It's a hun- it's 200 quid or 400 quid, depending if they got one or two days. Yeah. Just invoice for it now. If you need it, take it, because we realised that, you know, 200 quid could be a big deal for somebody who's... Absolutely stuck yeah so yeah so that was really it was a re- it felt really immediate the impact for artists oh i can imagine 
And can I ask, um, what did you, how did you feel when you read the proposal from Josepha Madigan um, this week? <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the press um, uh, announcement on whatever it was, Friday before last, mm. and I literally watched kind of with my hands to my head, just going, what are you talking about? Mm. You know, I really, you know, lots of other people have said it a lot more eruditely or more... Uh, clearly than I, I could possibly, but um, there is nothing wrong with, you know, all of the, the initiatives that she was talking about around sort of community arts and art in the home and stuff. But when you're talking about professional arts and professional artists, mm. there was, it was, it felt like, when I watched it, it felt like, firstly, they didn't get what we do. Yeah. Like, they just don't get it, <clears throat> which for the fact that they are, you know, the government body working with professional artists that was really really disheartening um and secondly like there was just it felt like they hadn't asked an artist they hadn't said like what um, what do you guys need what yeah what do you need and what do you think of this scheme because you know if they'd asked two or three people they would have just gone "Mm, actually that's not going to be great yeah so like for people not in the kind of um in the industry like can Mm -hmm. you kind of like help us kind of lay it out a bit but like Sure. The, the kind of measures invite people to create a piece of work that can be, you know, viewed online. But it's sort of, it seems to ignore so much uh, different types of artists, like, for example, a set designer or a lighting designer. You know, it seems to be very narrow yeah. in its scope. Yeah, they've kind of, they've um, clarified something since the very first day. But on the very first day, it felt like there was an, a one million euro announcement, mm. which sounds like a lot of money in some ways it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when you're talking about the whole of the arts um across different art forms so theater dance music fine art literature architecture you know there's hundreds and hundreds thousands of people working in these areas mm. so a million euros doesn't go very far Five hundred thousand of that was already part of the arts council budget so actually it's not money that's being invested in the arts it's just being reallocated mm. and what they were saying is that they were going to they are offering grants of three thousand euros um for people who can make an application online in a competitive context where they will make something that they can disseminate um, at the start they were saying online sort of in the next little while and now they're sort of saying it doesn't have to be online but you have to engage with you have to show that you're engaging with an audience. Mm. And so that means about 300, and, I think it's 334 grants across all the art forms. Wow. And like you said, that doesn't, um, you know, with that, okay, maybe you're a writer, you can, you can write something and you can share that, that makes sense for you. Maybe you're a musician and you can perform mm. or record something, but like remembering that you're in your house, we're all stuck in our houses. Mm. We might be living in, you know, particularly people who are artists don't have a, a, you know, artists are some of the lowest paid people in the country. So most of us don't necessarily live in palatial places with recording studios. <laughs> so you're, <laughs> you know, you're as an artist, you're you're sort of stuck with whatever you happen to have in the house. Visual artists don't have access to their own working studios. Mm. You might have kids, you might be living with your family, you might be living with flatmates. So you're automatically setting yourself up for a situation where you can't necessarily create what you'd like to create to the standard you want to create it yeah but also kind of going back to what we were talking about the the creative thinking time 
like everybody, not just artists, everybody I know that I've talked to during this, during the pandemic, it's so hard to think. Like it's hard to concentrate. Yeah. It's hard to keep your thoughts straight. You need a bit of, to be creative, you need a little bit of cushion. Like Mm. a little, yeah, Mm. exactly. And so this idea that, panicked you know, productivity some, to achieve yeah, this exactly. um, it was just like oh yeah I have to make something and I think mo- a lot of the people I know who are applying for it because of course you know there are people who need to apply for yeah. it yeah I think a lot of the people I know or have heard of who are applying for it are people who are really desperate for money and are really like I need to figure out a way of getting this three thousand euros because that will help me survive the next couple of months yeah so, which feels like and I mean, this is an extreme, I know I'm being extreme in the way I'm saying it, but it feels a bit like famine relief, you know, mm. that like, we'll give you some money to help you survive, but you have to jump through all these hoops yeah. to get the money when actually I think there should just be a way of saying, look, here's a bit of money. And for people who are receiving the artist social benefit, am I right in thinking they can't apply? Yeah, and if you're if you're on the COVID nineteen emergency payment, if you've got that, you can't apply. Right. Um, and if you've had any kind of bursaries, or you know, if you're on any of the sort of existing schemes that the Art Council has mm. had over the last year uh, or the last few months, you can't apply. Wow. So it's actually really restricted. Yeah. And like you said, then when you're talking about, um, collaborative artists like people who work in theatre, I don't know how that would work. And then, you know, people like me as a set designer, obviously, there's not much I can, I can do. Yeah. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the COVID-19 emergency payment, so I couldn't apply anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it felt, it just felt like, oh, and I know it's well-intentioned. And it's hugely it complex, like, obviously, to try yeah. and figure out how, like, you can stimulate what was and like kind of permanently is a bit of an ailing sector like the arts absolutely is, yeah is an issue always you know like yeah. um and i think that's the seeing how quickly things have fallen apart work-wise mm-hmm. is like a, a real alarm bell for me because like you said um the arts is a is in a crisis and has been for a long time and it's hard to keep saying you're in a crisis because people start going, ah, but like you're still going, so you know you can't be that it, that much in a crisis. Yeah. Whereas I think now it's like, there we're going to lose people. We're going to lose venues. We're going to lose companies. Um, things are going to fold. Also because we imagine, you know, the arts was kind of one of the first things to kind of shut down. Yeah. Because of the nature of the work, mm. it's theatre in particular. When I think about it, is going to be one of the last things that comes back on yeah into the world because it's about being physically in a room together with people totally so that's a big deal but then also you need the time to prepare to actually make the thing you can't just open the door and be like right we're doing a show we now. have a it's show like, mm. yeah. we've been practicing so on zoom <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but like i know people who are trying to rehearse on zoom to try and keep yeah what they've you know their projects going so it's like artists want to be able to make things of course. you know it's not like um we're all sitting back and going oh well, that's it now holiday mm. you know and the thing is that like uh, you know kind of there is often an attitude that like art and the arts is kind of the icing on a society 
um, mm. when obviously the complete reverse is true. And what we are having, one potential upside of what we're experiencing right now is that people maybe are getting a very visceral sense of how much we all need art and use art to stay afloat mentally because mm-hmm. yeah. all I'm hearing yeah. people talk about right now is the books, films, art, music, things they are getting so much from that's totally. like buoying us through this really d- devastating time. So hopefully totally. when we come through it, there will be a sense of these things are not, you know, life's indulgences. It's not indulgent to choose to be a, an art maker or a theater mm. maker mm. or performer. You're actually providing a service to society that we probably haven't put to the test in, in generations, but that's it's being why put to the test now. An incredible missed opportunity from a governmental Mm. standpoint I mean this is an uh, like you said so this conversation is happening constantly recommendations sure this podcast is full of it Mm. and they've just neglected that whole side it's actually incredible isn't it Mm. and this kind of push to stay at home but no sort of active you know support to allow people to stay at home and feel okay Mm. by way of supporting totally and I think you know just in total contrast and I know we often kind of look, and certainly in terms of the arts, we often look at Germany and go, oh, look at them, they're doing so amazingly. Yeah. And I know German artists who would argue against that, but Germany did announce, like, weeks ago now, that they are putting 50 billion euros behind wow. their arts community. Wow. 50 billion to support artists and to and like some of that was just straight up cash like you could apply I think it was a five thousand euro grant that you applied for and you got straight away if you were stuck if you're an arts worker or an artist yeah but a lot of it is about longer term thinking about how to how to make sure that there is an arts community to come back to when all of this is over so in turn going again back to the kind of validation of it's okay to be an artist not just it's okay to be an artist it's really important to have artists yeah and it's so important that we're putting our money where our mouth is and then to turn around a couple of weeks later and listen to the the minister you know with this incredibly paltry like not even paltry sort of announcement of what was going to happen to Irish arts was awful but I know well one of the things that's great that's come out of it is there's been an obviously it's sort of long-standing um campaign volunteer campaign called the national campaign for the arts Mm. um and they've been around for uh, a number of years and they're there to try and lobby government essentially for things like increased funding yeah um and they are across all the art forms because i really think that's important that it's it's clear that it has to be for all art forms yeah you know any kind of increased support but because of the ministers um and the department's announcement there's been a real uh, there was obviously a huge amount of anger straight away from the arts community just thinking like really is this what you think we do mm. um, and it means that it's channeled into the national campaign in a way um, that I think is going to be really beneficial so uh, last week I was on a zoom meeting with 360 something people wow. uh, which was quite experience That's busy. <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> and it was artists of all different art forms talking about like what what should the national campaign be asking for? Mm. And then in the last couple of days, they've they've put out their announcement of of um of what they're because they're already starting to negotiate with the department and so on, and um, what they want 
so it's it's worth having a look at those. Well, that's but a lot of it is positive. down to like increased funding. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. That's the positive side of things. But again, we've been talking about increased funding so much so that it's it's hard to keep talking about it without it sounding like ah look there they are again complaining you know (laughs) (laughs) the artists god love them doing what they love you know i know wafting around their big houses in sandy mount you know and you're like no in a second (laughs) nobody lives like that and so if people want to see more information would that be the ncfa.ie the national campaign for the arts Exactly. I think that's really great to um, direct listeners there maybe to see how like because there's a lot of hand wringing from all of us because we don't know where to start with any of this. But there is a how to help button on ncfa.ie, which could be a great place to start because we want to keep um, art, you know, we need it. Yeah. And like you're saying, you know, lots of people have been sort of getting in touch with me. So certainly early on, we're like, how do we they could see that artists were struggling straight away and were saying, you know, what do I do to help? So the national campaign, the NCFA is a voluntary run organization. So any of their, any support that goes to them is really useful. And that, I think that's a great place to put your support because it means that, um, what they're doing is trying to lobby government and that's, that's what's actually going to change things in a fundamental way. Yeah, totally. And there's also the, um, civic theater out in Tala, launched in the very first couple of days they were very quick yeah they were really quick they launched a kind of a a crowdfunding thing for an emergency fund for artists and arts workers Mm. and loads of people threw money into that i think they raised something like fourteen thousand euros very quickly and made little grants available of i think five or eight hundred euros for artists and art workers and And that that was was things like do you need to make your rent it was wasn't it it wasn't necessarily oh lash a proposal together that we can stream online for you've have you had your work pulled away from Mm. you and you need to make your rent or you're you're supporting three kids and you don't know yeah how you're going to do that while living at home as a single parent or whatever Mm. you know Um, so that that was another and I think they're still looking for funding for that if anybody has any spare cash Um, and then the other thing I suppose is depending on the artists and obviously theatre is a little bit more tricky but there's lots of people who are trying to do or lots of organisations that are trying to think of ways that you can support them so for example people who'd already bought theatre tickets for shows that were cancelled were asked maybe you'd like to not cancel your ticket and just leave the money with the organization yeah. i think probably you can still do that you can still buy tickets for things um and also like buying people's books That's if it. you're into writing mm-hmm. um shopping in local bookshops so they're still able to to um send things you know like there are ways of supporting artists very very directly um, which is really important. And also then you get the stuff as well. You get a book or you get a record or whatever. That's it. Yeah. There's also um, a kind of a newish uh, website called We Are Hung. Have you heard of this? No. Or sorry, it's hungweare.com and it's a subscription. I think it sounds really interesting. It's like an art subscription that you pay four euro a month and you get a piece of art. Um, yeah and you get a kind of a it's I mean it's digital and so you can kind of print it yourself or I mean obviously it's generally kind of visual art um, Mm. and prints and things like that but uh, I'm definitely I think I'm going to get involved in that I think it's a lovely Mm. idea Um, I just saw as well there was um, on Instagram there was an artist a painter I follow who's based in the UK who's doing a thing I think a lot of people are 
which is um, putting up work that you can buy for relatively cheap, like less than 200 euros, I think, mm. um, and essentially kind of paying it forward. So you're paying for the work now and it'll get posted to you when it's possible to do that. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but I think that direct funding of artists that you like is really important. Mm. But yeah, the national campaign is the thing that's actually going to make you know potentially a significant difference across everybody's life yeah and hopefully kind of give us a bit of a societal shift as well like kind of to, to a better place than we were in before <laughs> this be very nice <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us Leon. no problem have a lovely day yeah you too enjoy the sun lovely bye. to see your face <laughs> <laughs> you too bye all right we do bet in a minute I am betting this week. Now, this is a recommendation stolen from uh, Louise McSherry, a famous broadcaster you might know the name of, who has been recommending the Real Housewives series for years. And I am not... Did I already recommend this to you, Sophie? It's basically what I'm recommending is a month. I think it's free for a month. And then put in your calendar if you want to, you know make sure to remind yourself to unsubscribe hey you is the name of the app h-a-y-u it is just uh avalanche of reality tv shows (laughs) and it is you can blast through you can i just have it on constantly wherever i'm going it's just often playing out of the back pocket of my jeans as i'm pretending to parent i just like (laughs) to have it there at all times they hook it to my shoot it into my eyes vape it up my arse I'm here for every fucking second of it. All the real house. Do you have any idea how many real housewives there are? And uh, it's uh, like infinite, infinite series, infinite characters to get bed into. I'm bed in. I'm all. It's in me. It's me. I am it. <laughs> and is it like? Is there real housewives of like Wyoming and yes. real housewives of Newfoundland at this point? Yes. There's a real Amazing. housewives of Drumcondra. <laughs> it's unbelievable oh amazing I am just Bit. not a big partaker of that style of reality TV it's passed me by I feel like I, I want to get back into it because I love like high camp I am here for it's fucking you just there's no getting actively getting in you watch one episode and you're just you're if there it's you're sucking diesel there's no stopping yeah. you I mean, like it's incredibly well for me anyway it's ticking all the boxes um i suppose are they they're not in covid times at all are they no no we are way pre-covid and because of the infinite volume you can start back in 2010 if you want to so you, <laughs> you could be pre-trump if you want you to. can travel through time you can pretend that none of this ever happened yes funnily enough my bet in is similar this week so my bet in is a little closer to home. I suppose it's probably if we have a version of Real Housewives, it's this. Home. No. <laughs> Room to improve. Oh, amazing. Are I you mean, rewatching old series? Yes. So RT player doing the Lord's work have deposited the full 13 years of Room yes. to Improve on the player. I am in, I just watched series 10, episode 2, and like, as a standalone piece of art. Let me write that down. It's literally one of the absolute best. Um, we series follow, 2. No, series 10. Series 10, episode, episode 2. two. And going in. it's like, people might even remember this one. Like, this, 
Wait, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Okay, so it's Enda and Mags, and Boom. he's a Brussels sprouts farmer. They've just moved to Rush. Yes, I knew you'd remember <laughs> it because <laughs> fucking to say oh. that I was in love, in full love with Enda by the end of the show. He's a man in his sixties at least. I think me and Dermot sprouts. I swear. I was nearly crying at the end of this show. There was just so much kind of like emotional payoff in yes. this one single episode of Room to Improve that like I urge everyone to go and root it out. And Not like, to throw shade here, though. I'm just going to say, if you're looking for this and you're trying to use the RT app, <gasps> just know. put your phone in the fucking bin <laughs> I know. and go back to your television. Has there been anything more fucking annoying in the whole of existence than the RTE Player. app? What the fuck is happening? It's masquerading like a thing that works. Yeah, because it like looks everything like Netflix. looks like it works. And then it doesn't fucking work. It's like a cardboard cutout of an app. Oh my God, it's so true. fucking annoying. I'm sorry to be shady towards RTE, but like, it's so true. Like, I have never even graduated to the app. I'm finding the same level of issue with the player on a laptop. Oh, God. And like, for, funnily enough, during that episode, this is how committed I was to Enda and Mags that I... For some reason, after the ad break, every all the way through that episode, they kept bringing us back to the beginning of the episode oh, again. Oh, God. And we were like, just need. No. It was like our Everest. We just needed to get closure on this or stunning self-build uh, that Enda did. Right. I've taken whatever I was going to put in the bin. And this is my bin. The RT app is my bin of the week. Okay. You know when you get stuck in an ad loop with it as well? And you're like, wait, I think I've been watching ads for 50. <laughs> No, 20 minutes is how long I've been watching these ads. Uh, and then you have to fucking restart the app, right, the player, and you're right back at the start and you have to watch the start ads again. So you're like, I, I can't. We all have a lot of time these days, but that is insulting. It's fucking insulting is what it is. Um, suggesting we have that much time. I'm dying. I'm dying. It's so funny. Anyway, well, look, right all I, I'm saying is if you want to get bed into something that's very untaxing, Start room to improve from the beginning. Um, it's so untaxing. Like, the show, the taxing show. the process. The process is taxing. The show is untaxing. It's um, worth it. But you know what I'm loving about it? See, my COVID goggles, the pandemic perspective, is bringing a whole new kind of meaning to every episode. So you're actually, it's not just rewatching boring old content you've already seen. There's something new there because you're watching these people. They're building their forever homes. And you're now like, Enda and Mags now, they're over self-isolating in Rush. I hope, how are they getting on? I wonder if they're rethinking this portion of exposed brick now that they're looking at it 24-7 for the next fucking foreseeable future. Or like the lads who like, you know, they were building one half on one side of a partition wall for themselves and the in-laws were going to be on the other side of the partition wall. Oh my God. And now I'm like, fuck, I need a follow-up. Pandemic room to improve. How are you all getting on? I need to know. It's really... Well, Dermot, Dermot there recently during the week, I think, didn't he? Uh, he posted an Instagram post of himself in his own bathtub. Do you remember there was a bit of an update news-wise on that? Didn't he get permission recently? <gasps> of course, the out-the-back bathtub. Yeah, oh, he yeah. got perm his permission, I think, to put a structure around it. Am I right? Something like that? Anyway, there was fucking the comments were fucking hilarious under the post. I cannot believe that I don't follow Dermot Bannon on Instagram. 
what the hell is wrong with me? I'm going there now to rectify this immediately. Um, so you're Any bin for RT, you? Anything for the bin for me. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm finding uh, it hard to um, read at the moment. And I'm reading a book that I know in non-pandemic times I would be loving. So this is a partial bin, partial not, partial bet in. It's called Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan. And it's out this month. So God damn it, go and buy it. Because I can't imagine how hard it is bringing a book out right now in these strange, strange times. Um, and she's, uh, it's her debut novel. And she is like, if you liked normal people and conversations with friends she is our next sally rooney the writing style very similar it's poor sally sally's like i'm still here i'm still here there's no I new me exist. yet i'm still yeah. around and um, if you're if you're just waiting for the next sally rooney then fill your time with exciting times by nisha dolan it's really brilliant but it's also i just feel like it's kind of kind of bumming me hard out a bit it's hard to reading to, yeah no no it's just because it's very like the protagonist is kind of very jaded and okay kind of, um i'm there going like fucking listen love you <laughs> you're in hong kong you're yeah. having face-to-face -face interactions with people you're able to go to the bar you're able you're right. to go to the restaurant take watching take that's us. true that's a thing that's happening that's you find a thing yourself that's watching happening programs and just becoming filled with anxiety by how close the characters are standing to each other Completely. or like they're sharing an item of food and you're just like what are you, you doing know? yeah yeah it has changed it is interesting whether that will still live on after we're kind of out of this thing whether we'll still be left with this hangover of, of yeah unease about it i think we will yeah. i think we will for quite a long time it's kind of that, interesting yeah. And it's no doubt that it's that, that that's affecting you when you're reading about, you know, and it's hard then if you've just finished a piece of, of work or an out of in this new context, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, totally. I'm so, so worried hard. about my book that's coming out next month or the month after. And like, yeah, so I'm like, have you made oh, some God, post, but any any kind of post -co or, you know, current COVID any COVID corrections, corrections. Uh, I, I would have had the opportunity this week but to be honest no I don't I don't you know if anyone right. needs that there's a kind right. of an apocalyptic a there's an apocalyptic ending to it mm. regardless that is not COVID related and I'm kind of mm. like sure leave it at it it's its own madness and yeah. I hope people enjoy it for what it is for sure and listen I'm totally being facetious about exciting times it is yeah. a great read I'm really enjoying it and uh, I do really recommend it because it is everything is escapism now um, uh, and yeah. the, the other thing that I will legitimately put in the bin is um, I so I have a little tradition now with my mum where on a Saturday morning because we're both out the door very busy in, in lockdown somehow um, I go over to her bring my own breakfast bring my own coffee and uh, she puts out a little chair at the end of her gravel um, out the front of her house and I sit three metres away and we have a little kind of shout chat over breakfast Aww. and um that's so nice it is nice and I, I brought Sunny over this morning and uh she is so sad she was like I couldn't hold him could I and I was like oh, well like dear, you that's... could but like it's dangerous for you not him and then she was like yeah and then we were like what if we got a sheet 
and wrapped him in fully in a sheet and you cuddled him through the sheet kind of um is it hasidic jews have sex through the hole no i don't think it's that uh, that's the first thing i thought uh, who i knows? know i know <laughs> basically i was like do you want to cuddle him through a sheet ah. and so we 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 said it might just optically be problematic as we are yeah. so exposed out on the the driveway in front of her house and cuddling, the cuddling a crying the... writhing baby in a sheet mightn't look good for us i know listen there's a lot of curtain twitching going on and i am one of those twitchers as i like as i'm being twitched at i am also a twitchy oh my Sorry. god hang the fuck on i forgot to say this to you and i was like we should talk about this it's an online forum that the metropolitan police have um uh put in place dedicated for people to report suspected breaches of the lockdown such as large gatherings in parks mm. and uh it's uh it's very odd so a human rights lawyer called adam wagner um pointed out on twitter like basically that he is is not into this is um, it legal he says well he says he makes three points about it. Public have a sketchy understanding of what the regulations actually prohibit. So you're relying on people to actually know what they're seeing and define it as in breach or not. Mm-hmm. There is almost no breaches can be seen because obviously you don't know if you're looking at a household gathering mm-hmm. or people coming from different households like so how can you actually ascertain and it also is encouraging a kind of a, a widespread social mistrust and division rather than mm. encouraging empathy mm. and you know a bit of belief and faith in kind of human goodness mm-hmm. it's uh it's really 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 interesting and you're I'm right sorry, it is, is it interesting whether it's legal or not in use currently yeah it's in use in the uk and do you think they're using it in a kind of preventative manner, you know, rather than actually following through with any arrests on the back of it? I don't I know. Think it's, it doesn't sound legal. It sounds possibly like it's, I don't know, it's kind of nothingness. Because like you say, it's impossible to identify. After, they're hardly going to be acting within the time frame that, you know, the police... Quick, police... get down there. There's four mm. people on the common. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, apparently that using the scheme um, the Greater Manchester Police Department said that they had broken up 660 parties um, I'm sorry it's in a weekend just gone yeah and that some of them were parties that had DJs fireworks and bouncing right well that sounds like quite a big bouncing (laughs) that's quite a big fucking party that's not just four people in someone's garden I mean imagine if you were lucky enough to have been isolating with such a banging household that there was like 60 of you and a couple of people were DJs and somebody I've else a owned a bouncy castle and you'd all I be own, like I own a fucking together. bouncing castle. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It's the greatest purchase on adverts I ever fucking purchased. Well, that is our show for you this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much to Lee and Belle for having the chats. Don't forget to head over to roguecollective.ie right now to check out all the new great writing we have this week from our Rogue founders and also contributor Lynn Ruan is writing about how much of a challenge isolation is for people in abusive relationships, what the government can do, what people at risk can do and how family and friends, us, can help. 
So check that out on rowcollective.ie and subscribe for four euros a month to get a curated issue of new writing and new video and audio works in your inbox every Sunday. Support your local creatives.